Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I'm really excited today because I have a good friend of mine, Mike Rowe, with us today. Uh, Mike lives on the West Coast. He divides his time between homes in California and Nevada. He's from Indianapolis to begin with. He's got a wonderful wife, uh, June, whom he calls Junie, and she's the better looking of the two, I will say it. (laughs) She's the better person, too. Uh, Mike went to Illinois State Normal University where he has a business degree. He did his student teaching like me, but never taught like me, and has been mostly self-employed until he retired a few years ago. Also, like me and like many of you all listening, he was reared in legalistic evangelical churches. He had an awakening, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about, uh, and then had a, a second one of those that's led to great changes in his life. He has a radio program and a Bible class that we'll talk about later on. But uh, first of all, welcome, Mike. I'm so glad that you're you're with us. Thank you, Paul. And I'm really honored that you've invited me to be on your podcast. And especially since you have such an August group that you have already interviewed. And I am just uh, feeling very honored to be a part of that group. Well, you fit right in. and Thank you. And uh, Mike uh, came to our home in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, spent an afternoon and an evening with us one time a few years ago. And then uh, we've been friends ever since. And he and his group were uh, sort of a test group for our Pure Light Walker class. And boy, I got to tell you, he he has the most wonderful people in his group. They're just, uh, I miss them since that eight weeks is over and they're just they are the salt of the earth so mike i want to start out like i always do by asking how has your growing understanding of god's grace and unconditional love and the finished work at the cross inclusion how's that changed your relationships with people in the company that you had and that your kids still have and your neighbors friends people at the store where the rubber hits the road how's it changed your relationships well it has obviously made some difference in them much of my family, not locally here, but my extended family, cousins and aunts and uncles, have not been really favorable about what I've tried to share with them. And they pretty much have cut off any real communication with me because of that, because all of them were reared like I was in the same mm-hmm. denomination primarily. And so that has been um, it has been devastating, a little disheartening, obviously, you know, because I'd like to be able to share more, but that has not happened. And of course, back in 1975, when I first started out in the grace, basically all the older people in the church turned against me and the younger ones were with me. <laughs> and I'm sorry that it, that it happened. I created really a problem in the church. I didn't intend to, but I did. And so that, that created some hard feelings. And so I finally left. It hurts, doesn't it, when uh, no easy way to get around that? It just hurts. 
Yeah, but what overcomes it, for me anyway, is the love of God that I know that I, and and the bondage that I've been freed from, it far outweighs any loss of fellowship with people. I don't like losing, you know, fellowship with people, but having fellowship with the Father and, and, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus is outweighs any loss that I've had of, of any uh, humans here on earth. Well, it does indeed. And you had a successful business that's still gone. You had customers and suppliers and vendors and things like that. As you've been growing more and more in grace, did that change how you saw those people, how you related to them, to everybody? Not really. In business, and of course, in 1975 is when I first hit grace, or grace hit me, <laughs> and I became a very, well, I was always kind of gregarious and outgoing, but my relationship with customers and so on was all, has always been good. And not very many of them actually probably, you know, knew what I believed. Mm-hmm. Uh, some did, you know, but we didn't really mix that much with business, okay? Mm-hmm. If people brought anything up, then obviously I would uh, jump in with both feet. (laughs) Yeah, well, I didn't start understanding grace till about 10 or 11 years ago. So you've always been, I understand from your friends, a a great guy and a nice guy and and gregarious. Uh, I've always been gregarious, but (laughs) I'm not sure I would have liked me as a friend uh, back in my old days. But grace has certainly made a difference there. And you've got some long-term friends, I know, like Bill, that have been involved in this journey with you for 40 years or so, right? Yeah, and he's my best friend and has been for 40-some years. But when I began to understand the universal saving significance of Jesus, he wasn't with me. Oh, really? (laughs) No, no. Uh, he was a bit hesitant, and uh, he was still into the penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus. And of course, as usual, over all those years, we could always argue and discuss doctrine. And even if we disagreed, that never changed our love for each other. You know, my buddy Bill, I won't say his last name, but he is absolute the best friend anybody could ever have. Of course, I know him, not like you do, but from online, and he's the salt of the earth. And I love to see the things that he's written. And obviously, you guys have both had a a good influence on each other. What you said, Mike, about you could discuss uh, theology or doctrine or whatever and, and disagree but still be friends. Gosh, that's so important. And I know, just kind of bearing my heart here, but but I know when I started on this journey, I just thought everybody would be excited about it and want to know how good God is and how loving he is. And you left the church. I, I was the founding senior pastor of our church. And so uh, the people left me. And I, you know, I preached it from 250 down to about 125. And then when I started really finding out about how deep God's grace went, I, you know, I preached it down another hundred or so. But there were some people who were involved in our church and, and in some other churches that I was friends with that we've stayed great friends with. I mean, we can still go to, to coffee or go to lunch or go to a ball game with or whatever and uh, realize that, that we disagree theologically, but, but we're friends. On the other hand, you know, some people made it very clear that, well, we, we can't be your friend anymore. And really what I figured out they were saying was we, we were only friends because we believed the same thing. And that's just hard. I mean, it hurts. I, and I 
gosh, I think about guys like the Apostle Paul and, and John and Peter, the others, you know, they had their family, their friends, their whole, of course, everybody in Israel, their, their life revolved around religion and stuff. And they Boy, they suffered much more <laughs> than we have because they were really ostracized in huge ways. And, and of course, he you know, eventually killed for it. That's, we haven't had that happen, but there's no glossing over it. And for those who are listening who have never experienced that kind of rejection, boy, I'm so glad for you. I want to prepare you that it might happen. <laughs> I've had rejection. I mean, my, my own father did not reject me, but when I began to share this truth with him, he just couldn't deal with it. But again, I mean, I have had this rejection over the years, but again, it just does not, maybe I don't care enough about them. I don't know, you know, but, you know, actually when my buddy Bill didn't come along with me, it bothered me a little bit, but not much because I've known all the years that Bill was always wanted to know the truth. Okay. And that's the difference between folks that I see. He wanted to know the truth. And so, and I knew that, you know, with the seeds that I was planting in him, that sooner or later he would come to know. And he didn't come to understanding through me. He came to an understanding through a pastor friend of ours. Let's say that's when the seeds sprouted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I have to tell you this because this is funny. It took him two or three weeks before he could tell me. I called him one day. And he said, I've been meaning to call you. And he said, he said, I have to say, and he stuttered and he stuttered. He, I have to say you were, you, you, you were, you were, were right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just busted out laughing because I knew it would happen. And because he, being my best friend, has never rejected me no, no matter what. We're just good buds. <laughs> Friends like that are, boy, they're priceless, aren't they? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned 1975, something happened. What happened and how did it happen? Well, I went to a, a layman's retreat uh, with a denomination that I was a part of. And well, let me tell you about basically about me up until that time. I, I held every job in the church except pastor. But I was probably, at least as far as I can tell, the biggest hypocrite in the church. Okay. Mm. I mean, I said one thing and acted one way when I was around the church, you know, but when I was out on the road and I was out selling on the road quite a bit, I did another and acted in other ways. I'm not proud of it, but I admit to it that I was a big hypocrite. Anyway, I went to this layman's retreat. As far as I know, I was not seeking truth or anything else, but the speaker, he was not a preacher. He was a businessman. In part of his teaching, he said, you know the song you sing, but you don't believe? And you know the verse that you quote, but you don't believe. And then he would name a song and he would name a verse. And all of a sudden, the light went on in my head. Mm. And the Holy Spirit said, that's you. Ah. And that was the turning point in my life uh, back in, in 1975. That was, what, 45 years ago. That just hit me. And he, did, he kept using that phrase over and over during his seminar. So on my way home from that meeting, uh, I was driving home, it was at nighttime, and I just started thinking. I said, what do I believe? And I recognized, and of course, I, I recognized when he said it that I really didn't believe. I really didn't know what I believed. I said I knew I knew the doctrines that the church had taught me. But did I really believe that? Because if I believed it, I would probably live it. But I recognized I didn't believe it. So I said, what do I believe? Do I even believe in God? So 
I looked at the stars and the moon and the earth and I examined all. I said, there's got to be a God. And because I had not had personal encounter with him, you know, up up to this point. Uh So I went home the next morning. I got up. I opened the Bible on my kitchen table and I said, all right, God, I believe you exist. And I'm starting all over. I'm tossing out everything that I thought I've ever said I believed. And I did. I just really. Yeah. yeah, I just tossed it out. I hear people, you know, who are going through this reconstruction and they and they they toss a little bit at a time. And that's fine. I mean, that's one way. I don't care how you get it done. Just get it done. But but anyway, I just tossed it out and I said, "Okay, Lord, I'm starting over. I've read this book several times. I do not understand what it says. I admitted to God. I said, I don't know what it says. I want to know. So I said, I'm going to start reading. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to start reading. And you better explain it to me, because if you don't, I'm done. I'll quit. So I started reading. I don't even remember where I started. Probably Matthew. I, I think I started probably in the New Testament. But anyway, I just started reading. And the understanding began to leap off the pages. Now, this is basic understanding, you know, at the time. Prior to this, I had believed that you could be saved and lost and saved and lost. And, you know, I was Arminian in theology. That's what my church was. Yeah, I know you and I are very much alike. So I said, okay. I started reading. Understanding me can come off the pages. Within a day or two, I knew that I was saved and I was saved forever. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's an abrupt change when you've been Arminian. Oh, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps because that happened to me too. And it, oh, yeah. No, so wow, you know. And so I began to be free, began to be free. And so I began, and for several weeks, I would read, you know, and the understanding would come up off the page. And I was just being freed from all my guilt and all the stuff that, you know, I had going on in my life. Because the church that I was at was pretty good at heaping guilt on you. <laughs> and uh, so most of them now, are and I, and I and I want to say I was part of that and I did the same thing and I'm not saying to your folks here that I was you know some super clean boy here I was a part of that whole denominational thing and I participated in it like I said I was a hypocrite I didn't you know didn't really follow it all very well but anyhow so that was where I was so I admit to all that but I began to be free began to be free and I began to see grace and I began. And so, of course, when you've been in prison and all of a sudden you're out free, you start telling everybody about it. You know, I'm, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. So I started telling this and people in church and so on. And initially it was really, really fun. You know, it was a, and, and people started really enjoying it. But pretty quickly it changed. And like I say, the young people liked it, but the older people primarily did not like it. They began to talk about me, began to say things like, he's drinking, he's an alcoholic. Uh, I forget all the things they said about me. And the funny part of it was, it didn't bother me. I just laughed and I said, oh, Cal, I was just reading here in Matthew. <laughs> he said, Buster, you and men shall revile you and persecute you and say all men are evil against you falsely for my sake, you know, <laughs> for such is the kingdom of heaven. So I said, man, I'm blessed here. <laughs> so the, they're just heaping blessing on me. <laughs> so that's where I was. But eventually it became a problem. And I could see that I was creating a problem in the church. And I realized all of a sudden, that's not my job. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm just called to speak the truth 
and where somebody will is willing to listen. And if they're not willing to listen, I'll just move on. So I resigned my position in that church and uh, shortly thereafter left it. Wow, what a beginning. And that's, a, as you know, a similar thing happened, not exactly, but, and of course, we're all different. And we are almost out of time. I knew this would go by really quickly, but we're going to finish up in a minute and then we're going to do at least another recording that people will hear a week later. So before we do that, Mike, tell people how they can connect with you online and uh, where they can hear your radio program and all of that stuff. Well, they can email me if they want to at uh, uh, Mike Ruff, R-O-U-G-H. You can pronounce that name any way you want to. The last name is R- Rove, Rube, Roge. It's been, it's been called everything. And I go by Ruff now because of another issue. But anyway, it's Mike Ruff, R-O-U-G-H, at Comcast.net. And uh, they can get me there. They can go on YouTube under Mike Ruff and see our um, Wednesday night meetings that are recorded there. And then they can also go to our website at www.conversationsinchrist.com. And you can listen to a radio broadcast that we have here in our local town. Uh, I have a, a buddy on there named Bill Rose. Not the Bill we've been talking about on here, but this is Bill Rose, another guy. But he's another dear, dear friend, too. And we have conversations. And we don't have any script. We just, just like much the podcast that you and I have here, we're just, we talk. But we talk about uh, spiritual stuff and doctrine and so on. And we present the gospel of grace. The hyper grace uh, gospel, as, as Mike Bra- Michael Brown calls it. <laughs> so, and anyway, that's where you can find us. I encourage people to connect you and to uh, go to all those places that you talked about because not only will they really enjoy meeting and hearing from you, but also from the rest of your group that you've got on Wednesday night. And uh, we may talk, well, we will talk about that a little more in our next episode. So, I want to talk about this second encounter I had back 10 years ago. I want you to. So, We'll do that. So thanks, Mike, for being here for this episode. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being with us for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.